And but if you have a tithe or offering, we invite you to Amen. Put it in the plates and make your way back to your seats. And when you are back at your seat, if you stand, amen, and, and grab your Bibles. And we're going to go to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 7. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 7. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 7 says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, Amen, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, Amen. Aren't you glad that he hears your cry? Amen. He hears your prayer. Which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land and I said unto you I am the Lord your God fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but ye have not obeyed my voice amen God is still after their obedience and the obedience of the people of God Hallelujah. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite. And here we go. And his son Gideon. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Let me stop and say it like this. Amen. God only works and uses those who are busy doing a work. Amen. Who are busy working. Amen. God will not go to someone that's sitting back lazy, but he's looking for someone that's putting themselves into the work. Amen. Someone that's busying themselves with work and going forward and doing something in spite of the circumstances. Because the Bible says to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. And then he said a few words that shocked Gideon. He said, Thou mighty man of valor. Thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And, and where be all his miracles which our father told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us out up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of of the Midianites. How many have felt that way a time or two? Where's all the miracles then? And here we are in a foreign land. Here we are in a land that is uh, that is forsaken God. And the, and the Lord says in verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, Another uh, here's another excuse. Amen. God is wanting to use Gideon, but Gideon is riddled with excuses and reasons why God can't use him and reasons why he can't do what God's called him to do. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He used his financial situation to say why he couldn't do something. He used his 
his uh, stratus on, on the on the class ladder and where he was at in the world, in society, and say, well, I can't because of these reasons. But verse 16, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Amen. Surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Amen. And with that, I want to preach, amen, on this title, a little bit of a long title, but it's this, your inadequacies don't limit God. Your fear does. Your inadequacies don't limit God. Your fear does. Amen. Would you set your Bibles down and would you lift up your hands in this place and would you ask the Lord to speak to each and every one of you today. Ask the Lord, God, would you anoint the lips of the preacher, anoint the lips of my pastor, Lord, to preach. Lord, the word of God without fear or favor. God, help him to preach a word, help him to deliver a word from the Lord to my life and to my situation. God, would you anoint every heart and every mind to become receptive to your word. Would you use us for your glory and for your honor today? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, help me, church. Come on, lift up your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to preach with me today. And let's let's go forward. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Your inadequacies don't limit God. Your fear does. It is my intent that by the conclusion of this message this morning, you would understand what limits God and what is your what is an excuse by man. Amen. It is not your inadequacies uh, that limit God, but it is the fears that you and I will easily grab a hold of that will prevent God from using us. It is the fears that the people will possess and grab a hold of that will cause God to say, I'm going to go through somebody else and I'm going to sidestep that man that's full of fear and his life is full of fears and anxieties and worries and I'm going to use a man that feels inadequate but that is available for me to use him. Amen. In verse number 12 of Judges chapter 6, Amen, it says, The Lord is with thee. The word comes to Gideon and he is viewing himself in one particular light, but God views him in a different light altogether. Amen. God's perception of Gideon starkly contrasted with Gideon's perception of himself. Amen. The way that God saw Gideon was drastically different from the way that Gideon saw himself. And here, amen, every one of us reaches a spiritual crossroads as we come into contact with the Lord. And as you make your way to an altar of repentance, amen, in many ways it is a spiritual identity crisis, amen, where your view of yourself is confronted with God's view of your life. Hallelujah. He was facing a spiritual identity crisis. 
as is characteristic of the process of spiritual formation. Hallelujah. I am thankful today that God doesn't view me the way that I view myself. I'm thankful today that God doesn't view uh, that Didi, God doesn't view Sister D the way that Sister D views herself. I'm thankful today that God doesn't view Sister Felicia the way that Sister Felicia views herself and, and everybody else in this place. Hallelujah. But it's when you and I begin to get into the presence of God that you are confronted with your identity as it is, amen, to, as it will be and as it should be when God is allowed to work in your life. Hallelujah. Many times we come to God and there's been folks that have walked through the doors of the apostolic church and they've said, well, I, I'm hooked on nicotine. I'm hooked on alcohol. I'm hooked on drugs. I'm hooked on illicit relationships. I'm hooked on this. I'm hooked on gambling. I'm hooked on that. And we come and we say, well, God can't use me. God, there's no place in the church. There's no place in the kingdom of God for scum like me and people like me. And God says, if you'll let me work in your life, amen, I'm seeing something different than the thing you're looking at in the mirror. Because when I work in a person's life, I bring radical transformation. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Gideon's view of himself was met with God's view of himself. This is why it's so important that every one of us make time to pray. Every one of us find a place to pray on our day, on a daily basis. Because you and I may be feeling depressed, may be feeling oppressed, may be feeling anxieties and fears with all that's happening in our world. And it's topsy-turvy. And we feel like things are out of control. And we see things one way. But when we get into God's presence. And we see things from God's perspective. And we come before His presence broken. And confused and hurting. And filled with every, every malady in our body. God says let me work in your life. Because what I see is a finished product. And I'm going to make your present situation match the finished model that I have designed for you. But until you go there in prayer, until you go there in God's presence, there will always be this chasm between where you are and where God's wanting you to be. It is even for myself, I've experienced it many times. I may go through things in a, on a week and then during the weeks, during the week, uh, and then the, the time comes and I, I make my way to church. And I get to this place of worship. I begin to pace back and forth in the sanctuary. And my view, the things that I, the way that I've been seeing, my world, it begins to shift. It begins to be changed because I get into the presence of God. I get to the house of God. And I begin to understand amen, what God is doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I think it was in the book of Psalms. That David wrote those words. When I considered the ways of the wicked, how they prospered, they seemed to be enjoying themselves, and things seemed to be going well for them. 
And I begin to get discouraged. And he said, but when I get into the presence of God, and I come into the house of God, I'll begin to see things more clearly. I'll begin to see, wait a minute. The end for me is different than their end. And I have the peace of God. I have a sound mind. This is why the devil will fight you and I so much from simply getting to church. Let me talk to the people on YouTube if there's anybody out there this morning. The devil will fight you so much to get to this place of worship because this is where you get heavenly perspective and you can begin to see things the way that God sees them. As long as you stay at home, you're going to be filled with fear and anxiety and you're not going to understand why everything is happening in your world. But get to church. There is victory. There is deliverance. There is a sound mind in the house of God. Hallelujah. The devil will fight you so much from getting into prayer, getting into the house of God. He'll use every excuse in the book and say, this is why you shouldn't Go to church today. Your toe hurts. Your cousin showed up to visit from out of town. The car's not running too well. I got family and on down the line. And I might get called in and I'm starting to feel sick. And what if I get COVID and all of these things? But when you get to the house of God, when you get to the presence of God, God speaks words over your life and he says the Lord is with you mighty man of valor the Lord is with you hallelujah 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 some of you have tried Amen. To get others to come to church, you've invited them. Amen. The enemy fights them tooth and nail because the enemy knows if your backslidden son or daughter ever makes their way to this church, amen, there's going to be some some hot tears that fall down their face and their hands are going to go up in the air. And he knows that they're going to get proper perspective in the presence of God. So you and I have got to cover them in prayer and say, God, help them to overcome. Help them, God, fight the battles for them because in the presence of God is proper perspective. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's not your inadequacies that stop God. It's your fears that stop Him. Hallelujah. Verse 14. The Lord says, Go in this thy might. Amen. Upon the word that God has given you, go on that word. He says, Have not I sent thee? Amen. Have you not received direction from the Lord? And as long as you've got direction from the Lord, and it aligns with this book, hallelujah, you can stand on the word. You can stand on the word. You can stand on the word. You say, I might catch COVID in church, but Hebrews chapter 10, amen, says, amen, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. So as long as I got a word, as long as I got a word from God, I can go on that word. Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It is courageous and insightful and spirit-led leadership is the one constant of every great biblical leader. And here in Judges chapter 6, Gideon receives a word from the Lord. Here in Judges chapter 6, Gideon receives courage from the Lord. Here in Judges chapter 6, Gideon, amen, is led by the Spirit to go forth and accomplish what God has called him to do. And this is only derived from a deep, solitary, individual encounter with God. The only way that Gideon could go out and do what he did was because he had a deep, solitary encounter with the Lord. You and I, friend, have got to get along with Jesus. You've got to get along with Jesus in times of prayer and say, God, deal with me. Work on me. Help me, God, to be the man you want me to be. I must have... You must have a deep spiritual encounter with the Lord if you're going to accomplish what God has for your life. Verse 15, he says, Wherewith shall I say to Israel, Behold, my family's poor, and I am the least in my father's house. He saw in himself no qualifications. I felt that way before. I'm not qualified. I don't come from a a long line of kings and priests. I don't come from uh, big money. I don't come from uh, this whatever. I I don't have all of those things. I don't have lots and deep pockets, as they call it. I don't have uh, all the connections that uh, one might need to accomplish great things in the world. I'm just, he said, I'm just poor. My family's poor. We don't have a lot of money. Amen. I'm the least in my father's house. Hallelujah. No qualifications in himself or in his family or in his tribe to be the office of to fill the office of Savior to his people. Here is a similar characteristic and, and uh, trait that has uh, been possessed by many great men in the Bible. It's not just getting it felt this way. Who am I? Amen. I'm just a poor man and I'm the least in my father's house. Moses felt this same way when God spoke to him from the burning bush. He said, I I, 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 I can't can't even talk. talk. I I, got a stuttering problem, Lord. And God said, I can use you, Moses. I can use you because you're humble. Because you recognize that without me you can't do nothing. 
Jeremiah, when the Lord began to call him, he said that he couldn't speak for he was a child. The prophet Amos said that he wasn't a prophet or the son of a prophet. The apostle Peter, upon meeting Jesus, said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And oftentimes we see ourselves in one light. And God says, but that's not how I see you. And we can't ever get away from how we see ourselves because we've always saw ourselves that way and everybody else has saw us that way. And if I try to do something great, my friends, my family is going to say, who do you think you are, Brother Noah? Who do you think you are? You got an ego problem. No. I just realized that if he can use anybody, he can use me. I can be a vessel in the hands of the Lord. I want him to use me. Amen. Verse 16. We're moving through. Amen. This chapter. The Lord says, surely I will be with thee. Amen. This is in response to Gideon's question that says, uh, behold, my family is poor and I'm the least in my father's house. How am I going to be able to be a savior? And Jesus or God in the Old Testament, not yet revealed as Jesus in the new. God says in verse 16, surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Yes. You know what God did there? He had completely ignored Gideon's excuses. He completely ignored every one of Gideon's excuses. He didn't try to repudiate Gideon's argument. He didn't try and go back and forth and say, well, you know what, actually, you're not poor. You're actually rich. And if you see it this way, you know, you're actually not the least in your father's house. Let's talk about that. Manasseh's not really uh, the, the least. And he didn't try to argue with him. He completely ignored Gideon's arguments. Some people, amen, they begin to ask him something. And, well, you know, it's, I got these excuses. And it's all, uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm in pain. Uh, I got these problems. I got family problems. I got uh, chemical addiction problems. I got all these problems. I got issues. And God says it again. Surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. In essence, God refused to cater to Gideon's weaknesses. Focusing on weakness only fosters more weakness. Focusing on weakness, I'm not going to say that again, only fosters more weakness. Hence, God remained resolutely focused on his strength. The weak have no hope of rising out of weakness until introduced to the strength of the Lord. Amen. Gideon focused on his weakness and sought to escape what God had for him. And one should never underestimate, amen, the depth of this confrontation between Gideon and the Lord. Amen. This confrontation that is essential in spiritual formation. Such an encounter with God and with self always takes one into the arena of life and death. Into the place where angels and demons dwell. Into the presence of God himself. Such formational encounters always leave the individual forever changed. On the contrary, though, you see some people in church, maybe you've seen them, and their lives today mirror the exact same as it was five years ago. Their lives today are the exact same as they were five years ago. 
one year ago. No growth. Why? Because they never had a deep spiritual encounter with God. Because every time there is a deep spiritual encounter with God and there's a confrontation between self and the divine, there's change. There's change. Jacob becomes Israel. Gideon goes from a poor man in the least of his house to suddenly lead the armies of God's people to overcome the great Midianite army. But it comes out from a spiritual encounter with God. And if you are not growing, if you're not the, if you're the same today as you were two years ago, five years ago, it doesn't mean throw, throw in the towel and give up in despair. It means get on your face before God and cry out to Him and say, God, work on me, change me, transform me. I don't want to see myself the way I've always saw myself, but I want to see myself the way that you see me. I know that you see me and you know the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. Get into his presence. Verses 25 through 27, the story of Gideon would continue as the Lord would speak to Gideon. And this part, for the life of me, I don't remember reading it before. I've read the Bible several times, but I, I don't remember reading this before. But in verse 25, amen, the Lord tells Gideon, he says, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has put up. And cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. So much you can get from these few verses of Scripture. So much here. Gideon is to destroy Baal's altar before he builds God's altar. This is why it's so essential that when we come to God, we have repentance. And we say, God, I'm going to tear down my altars. I'm going to tear down the the way that I have done things, the way I have thought about things. I'm going to tear down Baal's altar before I can build God's altar. No man can serve two masters. The Lord said, you cannot serve God and mammon any more than God and Baal. Amen. Someone say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Observe also in these verses of Scripture, Gideon's prompt obedience to God's command. He seems to have begun the destruction of idolatry that very night in which God has given the command. And here is something that will help you, every one of you today. As you receive a word from the Lord and God speaks to you about issues in your life, amen, immediately take care of the thing that God is speaking to you about. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't say, well, tomorrow I'll begin doing what pastor's talking about. Next week and I'll begin doing what pastor's talking about. But when God spoke to Gideon about destroying his, his father's altars to Baal, amen, Gideon did it immediately. He took, he took immediate action. Right. Amen. All the sad effects of procrastination 
in matters which respect the overthrow of idols of the heart and the dedication of the heart to God. How is it that when the command of God is proclaimed to do this, there is often hesitation and delay? When God says do it, do it. Just obey Him. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Also notice the influence of Gideon's character and conduct over those who were in his service. Gideon, the Bible says, took men of his servants and did as the Lord said unto him. Amen. The Bible says that Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord said unto him. It seems that Gideon had not only kept himself from the defilement of his country's idolatry, but that he had used his influence and authority in endeavoring to preserve his servants from it also. Here is truly, as the, as the Lord is seeing from Gideon's life, a man of valor, because Gideon, in an idolatrous nation, in a backslidden nation, still, amen, is saying, uh, Baal's not going to be in my house. Baal, I'm not going to bow the knee to Baal. And though everybody around me may, may be offering a sacrifice and worshiping Baal, I'm going to make it known that as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And Gideon had men of his house that said, We're go, we'll go with you, Master. We'll go with you, Pastor. We'll go with you, Preacher. We'll go with you and we will help you do what God's told you to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is going to take an all-hands approach to have the revival in Lathrop as God has called it to be. It's going to take every hand on deck. It's going to take everybody involved to see the work of God be accomplished. Hallelujah. And in so, just a few more points and I'm coming to a close. In, in, in the throwing down of the Baal, of the God Baal, Baal who was the God of the weather, uh, this appeared to this, his countrymen to be uh, an attack against the livelihood of his fellow man in Israel. You say, why is that? Because the Midianites were stomping and destroying the crops of the, Israel, of the Israeli people, of the Hebrew children. Every time there was a crop, amen, the Midianites would come into the land and they would plunder and they would destroy and they would leave scraps for the children of Israel to eat. And so as Gideon goes and destroys the altar to Baal, the people there in their blindness see it as an attack against their livelihood because if we can't worship Baal, then the God that, the, that brings the rain down, uh, we're not going to be able to eat. And all they can see is their destruction. All they can see, amen, is their destruction. When there's a word from God, and it doesn't make sense, if you will obey God's voice, God will provide for you. God will make a way for you. God will see you through. To give tithe is not to have less income. To give tithe is actually to have more income. Or to have the income that is left over more blessed than you could ever do with 100%. To, to throw down the altar of Baal wasn't to mean the destruction of their livelihood, but rather it would mean that now God would begin to bless them and now God would begin to move unobstructed through their land and pour out blessings upon His people. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And thank God that Gideon had a dad that was wise enough to recognize what was happening. Because the Bible says in Judges chapter 6 that as Gideon and his men, his ten men servants, as they overthrew the altar of Baal, the countrymen came together and said, we need to kill Gideon. He's causing us problems. But thank God for a dad such as Gideon's father that even though not right with God, said, let Baal defend himself. And he began to fight for his son's consecration to the Lord. Thank God for a dad that said, you know what, I may not be where I need to be with the Lord, but I want my kid to serve God with all their heart. And we have parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles that raise children due to the situation in life. And it's a tragedy. It's, I've seen it sometimes. Is as a child come to the Lord and they're hungry for God. And mom or dad or grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle says, well, it's not convenient for me. I just don't want to. I want to stay in bed on Sunday morning. I don't want to get up and go to church because I, I'm going to change my ways. But And so I'm going to keep junior home. I'm going to keep the kids home. And they're not going to go to Sunday school because of my laziness, because of my uh, uh, unspirituality. But thank God Gideon had a dad that said, go on, son. Go on and live for God. Go on and do your best. Amen. I'll fight for you to live for God. And I'll not let my, amen, unspirituality stop you from fulfilling the call of God. Some parents, grandparents won't allow their kids to serve the Lord because they're too engrossed in their sin. And they feel shame and conviction. But Gideon's father withstood the men of the city and said, let Baal defend himself. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you don't want to live for God, you have that choice. But don't stop your kids. Don't stop your grandkids from living for God. Mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa never get in the way of your kids saying, I love Jesus. I want to please Him. I want to serve Him. Everybody else in their class Everybody else in the school might be saying, that's not cool. That's, that's dumb. That's stupid. That's whatever. But as long as they have that desire, encourage them. Corday, you go to church. Brother Nathan, you go to church. Amen. Whoever it is, you go to church. You give your all to God. You serve Him with all of your heart. I'm going to close with this if you'd stand with me today. This story of Gideon continues on in the next chapter, chapter 7. Chapter 7 of the same book. The Lord is calling Gideon to fight the Midianite army. And God allows Gideon to have, I think, an army of 30,000, something to that effect, to fight. And they're still outmatched. They're still outmanned, outnumbered. They're still the underdog. And God says to Gideon, there's too many that you have. And the first thing that God uses to dismiss people from being in his army, he says, whoever's fearful, 
Whoever's afraid, now's your chance to get out. If you're faced with fear, you're, you're, you're fearful, get out. There's no place for the fearful in the kingdom of God. Amen. Your inadequacies won't stop him. I'm poor. I don't have the status. I don't have this. I don't have that. Doesn't stop God. He says, I'm going to ignore what you said because I see you differently. But when it's fear and you're afraid to fight for the Lord, you're afraid to take a stand. God says, I don't need that. This concept of dismissal from the battlefield, those who were fearful, is biblical. This is actually not the first time you see this in Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 8. The word of the Lord says, What man is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Scripture says that if you're fearful and faint-hearted, go home. Stay home. But if you've got courage, if you've got a word from God, some of you I might make mad right now, but I am in the book. I am in the book. If you are fearful, stay home, the Bible says. These men would be a burden or may not fight well and thereby they would threaten the whole military enterprise because of their fear and their anxiety. Because as long as you're on the pews and you're fearful and you're just full of fear and you're just full of worry and anxiety, you're causing others, amen, to pick up on that spirit of fear. Amen. Fear is infectious. Fear is characterized by focus on inadequacies and the size of the enemy. And fear can cause others' faith to waver as well. And God began to use a filter on His people and say, if you're full of fear, go home and stay home. Because what I'm calling my people to do is going to require faith. Amen. Though inadequate, but have faith. And say, I believe God will see me through. I believe God will help me. I believe God will work on my behalf. I'm preaching to somebody today. Amen. You're filled with fear. You're filled with worry. It's time to kick fear out the door. Amen. And get a hold of the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Because the Bible says, perfect love casting out fear. Come on, would you lift your hands in this house as the music begins to play? Would you begin to reach out to God? I'm challenging everybody under the sound of my voice to say, God, give me courage. God, give me courage. God, help me to see things the way that you see them. Come on, throw your hands in the air and say, God, I need a fresh revelation of how you see me. I need a new perspective of life. I need a new perspective of church. Come on. Come on, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, I bind the spirits of fear. I bind the spirits of doubt. I bind this 
spirit of fear in this place. I come against in the name of Jesus. I bind fear. I bind worry. I bind anxiety. God, in the name of Jesus, come on, somebody to get out. Amen. And begin to worship God. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Give me some music a little bit faster, Brother Nathan. Hallelujah. We need to worship God. Somebody needs to just begin to worship God. Somebody needs to say, God, you can use me. You can use me. You can use me, Lord. Come on, come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, this is not meant to be a weeping, sorrowful altar call right now. This is meant for somebody to get the victory. Somebody to believe that God is on the throne. That God, amen, the way that he sees me is the way that I should see myself. I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious. I'm a man of valor. I'm a woman of valor. Somebody, somebody help me right now in this place. Come on, begin to worship him. Come on, I set you free in the name of Jesus. 